Welcome, everybody, to episode 23 of Random Encounter. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. Joining me today, we have the man with many titles. Uh, this is John McCarroll. I am Keeper X on our forums. Uh, coming back by popular demand because you asked for her on the boards. Kimberly Wallace, a managing editor and case star on the boards. And the yin to my yang, the lover to my hater. Back to talk about The Witcher kind of rhymed kyle e miller and i have played the witcher 2 and rob hasn't yes and i hate him for it uh now everybody's gonna have to excuse me just a little bit just because i have like major allergy attack right now so i'm sorry if i sound uh a little nasally and whatnot more than usual so i apologize for that so we're going to talk about games today we're obviously going to talk about the preview build that kyle has been playing of the witcher 2 and i can talk a little bit about my experiences that i had finishing the witcher finally some three months after i started it uh but i guess we'll start today with kim because kim just got done playing uh an amazingly uh, appropriately timed game. What game did you finish, Kim? Mass Effect, finally. Yep. <laughs> after it came out like four years ago. Alright, and what did you think about Mass Effect? This is the original Mass Effect. Yes, the... this was. Yes. Um, okay, Hate the Mako with the passion. Uh, other than that, I thought it was pretty solid, but I ran into the problem of a lot of people, you know, have praised the game as it's it's been out a while. And I have to keep reminding myself this came out in 2007. And it was good for what it was, but I guess I was kind of expecting more. But everybody's telling me the second game kind of is more character-focused, which, like, I like the characters, but I didn't feel so attached to any one of them, which was weird. Mm-hmm. So Now, uh, so you're saying that the story and characters kind of fell a little short for you. Now, what about the gameplay? Because that's that's the big jump between Mass Effect 1 and 2, is how Mass Effect 1 is more of an RPG with mm-hmm. shooting elements, and then Mass Effect 2 is a decent shooter with some minor RPG elements. You know, I ran into the problem of... Um... I'll I'll be the first to admit I'm not that experienced with Western RPGs, and I would get all these different, like, armor and guns and stuff, but I never got really an explanation on how to, you know, what meant what and how to upgrade what. So that was um, a little interesting at first. But as I played through, like, I didn't have any problems. The only problem I had was specifically driving the Mako. Like, I sucked at it, and it never... It was never fun because no matter how many times I tried to hit the enemies, like it, it just like made the gameplay like lag a little bit for me. It um, felt like you were driving a Tonka truck. Well, yeah, like and with, the whole gravity thing with it. I mean, it was realistic, but I just didn't like it at all. It, it's clear that that Bioware understood that that was a very negative part, and in the download content with the Hammerhead for Mass Effect Two, it's it's significantly better in its control scheme. And I have a question for you guys who've played. Did you guys like the characters from the first Mass Effect? I mean, I know some of them turn into the or in the second, but did you guys, when you walked away from that, felt like you knew these characters? Or I feel like I got backstory on all of them, but not much like one-on-one like experience with them. I don't know, except for Kaiden because I romanced him. Like I felt like in the the first Mass Effect that I was playing it more for less for the characters and more for the. I'm here to save the world. Mm-hmm. I'm Shepard. Um, and while I did talk to a couple of characters, particularly Tally and uh, and Garrus, I, I didn't go into it looking for character interaction, even though that was a, a big positive in a lot of previous Bioware games for me. But I, I wasn't off-put by the characters. I liked the characters. 
but I wasn't playing that game for those characters. I was playing so that I could beat the Reapers. I hear you. And I, I really liked the ending. Like, I felt really epic when the whole thing ended. And, you know, I had my femme shep, Kimberly Shepard, and she was awesome throughout the whole thing. So, <laughs> Kyle, what are your thoughts on the characters? Because I, I, you and I have talked a lot about Mass Effect 2, but I, I know you love Mass Effect 1, and my thoughts on Mass Effect 1 I've already expressed multiple times. So what did you think of the characters in it? Well, I'm trying to think back to when I played it. Um, I remember... I mean, they weren't as well-developed, maybe, as characters in some other Bioware games, but I remember really enjoying them, particularly Garrus and Rex, I think, stood out to me. Um, Tally, too. Kaiden Kaiden and Ashley are like, you know, they're okay. The humans are always the worst, but... Yeah, it feels like they're just there, and there's not much to either one of them. Kaiden was my least favorite character by a huge margin. I didn't and even realize he was a character. Like, I never used him. I, I just thought he was, like, random red shirt B. And then I realized, wow, I can put him in my party? Really? Oh. Yeah, he's probably the worst. So now, how long did it take you to beat the game, Kim? Because I've never beaten the original Mass Effect, but I'm, I'm kind of building up that maybe I'll do it in preparation for uh, Mass Effect 3. How long would it take me to beat it? Well, it took John, me and him were actually having this discussion. I think the first time he played it, it took you 12 hours, right, John? Yeah, 12. Okay. Wow. First time I played it, it took me, um, I think I ended at the 23-hour mark with it. And I did some side quests, not the all. My other issue with the game was I thought the side quests were really pointless, and so I stopped doing them because it's a lot of fetch quests and just pretty much boring. And I was like, at that point, I was like, I didn't want to do them anymore, so I went forth and just finished the game. But I did do extra stuff, and I did talk to everybody because I wanted to. Everybody, you know, keeps telling me you, you want to get to know your characters. Bioware does a great job of that, so I was really trying to get in with the character interaction. So I have no doubt that you, if you really wanted to, could probably beat it in 15 hours. Hmm. I'm, I'm just debating because I, I think what I'll do, and I, I think maybe Pat told me right when I first came on the site was if I wanted to play through Mass Effect 1 because I, I had such a hard time with the with the shooting mechanics not working properly until your skills build up. If I play it, I'm just going to drop the difficulty down and just play it for the story. I'm not going to play it for the gameplay because playing through Mass Effect 2 again a little bit more, I'm, I'm realizing more and more how much I'm in the positive crowd and how they changed the gameplay from Mass Effect 1 to 2. I'm very much in the, yeah, Bioware did a really good I, job. I think that the crowd that said, oh, you're changing it to be more shooter-like, that's awful. I think that crowd disappeared after they played the game. Yeah, yeah. No, there's there's truth in that. There's truth in that. So, Kim, you're going to then start on Mass Effect 2, huh? Yes, I'm going to import my save over and see what happens. I'm, I'm excited for it because everybody. I've heard such great things about Mass Effect 2. I just hope going into it that, you know, it's always dangerous getting yourself too hyped for a game. And when you hear a lot about it and, like, it's positive reception, sometimes you're expecting more than what you actually get. So I'm trying to, like, not have my expectations too high. But, I mean, I'm really excited because it's the one game that, like, I always hear really great things about. So, like I said, I'm trying to get more cultured. And I know people are going to kill me for saying this, but, you know, I I played Dragon Age 2 right before I went into Mass Effect. And actually had more fun playing Dragon Age 2, and I'm not sure why. And I thought about it, and for some reason... 
I like the characters better in Dragon Age 2, but a lot of people argue that the characters were weak compared to Origins, I guess, would be what they're, you know, pointing to, so... Yeah, yeah, and and I can definitely see that. I mean, I I think that Dragon Age 2's characters are great. I really enjoyed them, but they don't stand out as much as Origins characters. That said, I mean, when BioWare even swings and misses a little bit, and we said this on the last yeah. show, when BioWare swings and misses, they still knock it out of the park compared to most developers. So even a bad BioWare game is still a good game, and I still think Dragon Age 2 is a good game. With Mass Effect 2, just the one thing I think that you should keep in mind, and and John and Kyle uh, back me up or or disagree with me, um, I think Mass Effect 2's biggest problem is that it kind of suffers from the sequel syndrome, and I I said this in my review, where it's a lot like uh, the second Pirates movie or the second Matrix movie, not in terms of quality, but in terms of it's all set up for the third chapter and it ends on a massive cliffhanger and it kind of feels like everything is just leading up to the the final chapter rather than being its own self-contained story and i I think that's the one area that i i was a little upset with i wanted to see the dark knight or empire strikes back i didn't want to see pirates 2 or matrix reloaded if that makes sense i actually kind of disagree there i thought that it was a good self-contained story you know it's yeah, it's it's an intermediary. It's a second in a trilogy, but it it wholly encompasses the story of the the collectors, and it it doesn't give itself a completion in its high until the third story, until really the uh, the arrival DLC. Yeah, and see, I haven't played that, so I'm I'm not really sure how that fits in, and I definitely want to play it. But what I mean to say is that it just. I think Mass Effect 1 felt so grand, and there was a a set, you're saving the world. With Mass Effect 2, it's kind of like, you need to go stop the collectors, but it's interspersed in this, you still need to save the world from the Reapers that are coming. And so I I get what you're saying, John. It's just I still felt like it was – it wasn't – it wasn't its own self-contained thing. I think the collector portion of the story was, but it still was very much just like, and freeze. Okay, we're going to pick this up in about two years. Uh, see, that's going to be hard for me going into because I really liked the ending of the first Mass Effect. Like, It just felt very grand, and I mean that – and towards the end when they just focus in on the character, you know, that you've built and created and kind of like, you know, put that on a pedestal. It's, it, it was it made me feel like I was epic in some way. I know it's weird to well, say, but the the almost the entire game of Mass Effect 2 is like you're the only person that can do this. you got to put mm-hmm. together this team. Otherwise, humanity is screwed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cam, I wouldn't worry about the ending. The ending is really intense. And oh, yeah, the set get- piece is great. Once you get to it, like, you won't be thinking about anything else. I think it's really – the ending in particular is really, really well done. Last but I understand, stuff. like, the idea that a, in a trilogy, the second game is usually the weakest or the second movie or whatever it is. But I don't know. I think it was – I think it's an interesting middle game. I w- um, I w- now, now, wait a minute here. Empire is the best Star Wars movie. Let's, oh, let's establish well, that right now. I know, but look at, like, the There's two There's no Death Star. Yeah, and that's why it's good because they're not repeating old ground. Well, yeah, I but think typically the middle one is probably the weakest. I mean, out of like the Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers. Okay, okay, the that I can that I can agree with. But I guess well, yeah, and I agree with Kyle there because I think when you start a game, it's building everything up for you. It's setting, establishing the world. Like everything is new to you, so you right. go into the second game and 
there the conclusion is obviously going to kind of lead into the third title and it's gonna build up but you know it doesn't i wouldn't worry about it too much i think it's really well done it's well done enough where it doesn't really stand out as like that weak middle thing awkward thing yeah i mean for all of my criticisms of mass effect 2 it is still a phenomenal game and I still really enjoyed it. Like, I'm kind of nitpicking when I say that, like, oh, elements of the story bothered me. Because that at least says that I cared about the story. No, and, I, that's, and the that's story important. isn't as good as the characters in that one. Yeah. I mean, in the first one, it's like the plot is probably better than the characters. But the second one, I'd say the characters are definitely better than the plot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, by, by a huge margin. The I, I'd yeah. say there's, there are some obnoxious characters, but the great thing is you don't have to interact with them if you don't want to. Like, I Jack. didn't like Thane, and I didn't like Jack, so I just never interacted with them. How are the side quests in the second one? Uh, well, they kind of – they're kind of – it's a lot of going to a planet and shooting enemies in the face – if you're an infiltrator. So it, it is kind of like the uh, uh, one of your characters has a problem and you need to go solve it, and it usually a lot of aliens die. But there's there's some really cool standout ones, like Thane's, even though I don't like Thane, his, his side quest is at least doing something a little bit different gameplay-wise. They start yeah. to throw in some different types of environmental hazards and things like Does that. It add, do they add anything to the story if you do them? Yeah, like, deeper yeah. Oh, yeah. About the characters, about the characters. Yeah, because yes. that was a big yeah. problem with me with the Mass Effect. In fact, when I played it, I felt like the side quests were just kind of tacked on to be there to give the game more length yeah, for I, you to play through. I think you'll really enjoy it, Kim. It's much more character-centric, and the side quests definitely—I mean, the best side quests in it, really the major ones, are the character side quests. Every character has one, and they're usually really cool. Yeah, and and honestly, in, in Mass Effect 2, those character quests, while they are technically optional, you're going to want to do all of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So awesome. I, I think you'll like it. I think you'll like it. Except well, the last boss sucks. Well, hopefully when I'm on the next I podcast, the if I am, boss. I can talk about it. <laughs> the last boss is just a contra boss. And it's just silly. It sucks. I'll, I'll talk I after. It, I think it has interesting implications. I think it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I, I love. And when I first saw it, I thought it was slightly silly, <laughs> but very silly. oh, I remember now. <laughs> I think what it means is interesting. Okay, uh, I guess I I'm not think. as I'm not as involved in the lore, so I didn't I didn't care that much. But it wasn't. I, I don't know. I'm just making fun. All right. So, uh, Kim, anything else to add about Mass Effect One, or should we move on to John and his MMO or his Mamopaga? Oh, let him talk about his MMO. Uh, here, here we go with yeah, Rift. Here we go. Here we Rift. go. Here we go. Is, no, no, no. Rift is surprisingly good. It, and it'll replace uh, World of Warcraft, and there will be another big MMO out there, right? No, it's not. Nothing is going to replace World of Warcraft at this point. <laughs> but do I think that it's going to get a, a pretty hefty subscriber base comprised significantly of former World of Warcraft players, I do. It, it's very much in the style of World of Warcraft, but there's a lot... It, it, it feels like there's a lot more going on here than there we, is in World of Warcraft. And I know you've talked to me about this, but you probably wouldn't recommend this game for beginners to MMOs. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't seem like the best game to start out with. Like, This um, isn't my first MMO. 
Yeah, like it. Honestly, at this point, if you want to play an MMO for the first time, there's a game for that. It's called World of Warcraft. It's the most popular MMORPG out there. Yeah. Um, and what, Rift kind of assumes you're already familiar with yeah, MMOs it, it, and all it's that. It's almost as if like Rift says, "Okay, we know that we're going to get the majority of our player base from World of Warcraft. Well, we're going to orient around that." So for me, as a former World of Warcraft player, I picked up this game and everything immediately was familiar. It's like, okay, I can do whatever. And it's it controls like World of Warcraft. Everything is World of Warcraft E. But does it do anything to stand out from World of yes. Warcraft? Okay. So World of Warcraft is pretty limited in your customization. So and and I don't mean in making your character. I mean in your skills and that sort of thing. There tend to be only two or three builds for each character for PvE and PvE that are any good or any worthwhile. You know, chances are if you don't have one of these three builds, you're not going to be raiding. You know, that may have changed in uh, in Cataclysm, which I didn't play, but at least up until Wrath, it was, you have to build your character this way or you're not getting anywhere. Um, what Rift does that's different is Rift only has four classes. So there's Mage, Cleric, Rogue, and Warrior. And each of these classes has 10 or 12, I'm not sure of the exact number, uh, souls. And if anyone's played World of Warcraft, you get three different talent trees per class. And it's like, okay, so I can, if you're a rogue, I can put things into combat, I can put things into assassination, or I can put things into subtlety. What Rift says is Rift says, okay, you know what? World of Warcraft has warlocks and mages and all of these other cloth-based healers, or all these cloth-based mages. We're just going to call that mage. And we're going to give you these 12 souls that work differently. You can customize these together however you want, and those are going to make up your talent trees and skills. However you want to level yourself up, that's cool with us. And so if you find your character more powerful with one aspect or another, you can focus there. And it, it truly is something that, that feels great as a former World of Warcraft player. It's like, well, I really didn't have this kind of freedom in World of Warcraft. Yeah, I could build myself in in different talent trees, but it, it's not the same. You get significantly more customization here, and I'm really digging on it. Now, I'm not particularly far into the game. I think I have like 12 hours played so far. So I'm level 16. So I'm still a lobby. You know, I haven't done any kind of raid content or anything like that. But just the content that's been presented to me thus far has been pretty impressive. Hmm. And I'm honestly surprised because even though I thought the game had looked interesting at, at uh, E3 and, uh, and other events, I didn't think that it would actually provide this top quality game, and it has. And it also pulls lots of elements from, from other MMOs. It's not like, okay, let's make World of Warcraft or game over. Um, there's elements from like Warhammer Online. Um, you get what are called rifts in the game. And it's dynamic content for players in the zone. So I'm, I'm logged into the game right now. And in this zone, there's something called the Ebb of the Tidelord. And it spawned a bunch of water monsters, and you have to work together and kill all the water monsters. And everyone who participated in the quest gets items. So it works like uh, the public quests in uh, Warhammer Online. But it also, as an individual player, you can find what are called minor rifts and be like, okay, 
I want to do this quest that's out of nowhere. You know, I'm not interested in zone combat. I'm not interested in that. But I want to fight something right now, and I want a dynamic quest. And it'll pull out water monsters or death monsters or fire monsters or whatever, and you get to fight them just right there yourself. So it gives you some dynamic content. And, of course, there are the standard quests and battlegrounds and all those sorts of things that you'd expect from an MMO. But it's it's been pretty top quality, and I that's what surprised me was I wasn't expecting it to be this good. Now I'm I am not versed in MMOs at all. I've never played one. I uh, no, that's not true. I played like uh, an hour of World of Warcraft a couple of years ago. Like my buddy brought over a free trial and he let me play it, and he was like, "Yeah, are you going to play World of Warcraft now?" And I looked at him and I was like, "Nathan, I." see how addictive this is and i i can't do this at this point in my life like this is this is too much so me as a first time mmo player you would still probably direct me toward world of warcraft because it's more of a friendly environment it's more of a i i somebody i I think it was somebody on one up and I, i feel bad that i don't have the person's name they wrote this article about how world of warcraft is now like a single player mmo you can go in there and just play single player and play it like Diablo. Just get new equipment, make yourself stronger, complete quests, learn about the lore in the world. And you don't even have to screw around with the playing with other people aspect of the game. How yep. does how does Rift compare to that? Now, to with World of Warcraft, I have years and years of experience with the game, so I know exactly how it works. You're an with addict, Rift, we know. A former yes. addict. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks to me. I don't think you can be a former addict. <laughs> But the what I have seen thus far, it seems to be very friendly. I what what's cool is uh, there are what are called public groups. So when I'm doing one of these big group where one of these big uh, zone wide quests, I can just hit join public group and I don't have to worry about what class I am, you know, whatever. I'm in that group and I can leave as soon as I'm done with it, and it's like. Cool. This is awesome. I didn't have to worry about hanging around. None of that. Um, with the the quests, it shows you exactly what quest you have. I have a quest uh, right now called an old flame. It says you need two people to do this quest. I'm not working on that quest right now. I really don't feel like leveling with someone else in a lobby area. Probably just going to abandon that quest eventually. Thus far, it's been pretty friendly for solo play. All right, all right. So now, do you think that this is going to have a solid player base? I know, I know you said it at the beginning, but do you think that this is going to have a solid player base for a while? Is it going? Is new content going to be released for it? How does the how does the end game content look? That seems to be what everybody talks about with MMOs. Is this a game that you can play after you reach the level cap? Do, do they have it designed for that? Any thoughts on that? Anything you know? You know, I've been I, I've been keeping my eye on this for a while. Actually, what's interesting, the mouse pad that I have is uh, is for Heroes of Talara, which is what this game was called several years back. Hmm. Um, so I've been keeping an eye on this since since Tryon first showed it to us. I think at E three o eight, and Tryon seems like they've got good heads on their shoulders. You know, it seems like they really do know what they're doing. And while I can't comment on what the the end game content's going to be. I'm not there yet. I haven't done a whole lot of research trolling around the forums or anything like that. I would 
be surprised if it was not good content. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So Rift is going to take over World of Warcraft. Confirmed. No. Confirmed. I, I no, no. I told you that it was <laughs> take over World of Warcraft. Look. Well, World of Warcraft is not going anywhere. I know that there were a lot of players that were unhappy with Cataclysm. And do I think that these players might have something that they would like in Rift? Absolutely. Um, I think that it's something that, that for anyone who's almost sick of World of Warcraft, it's something that they should absolutely take a look at. EverQuest 2 veterans that don't want, you know, take a look at it. There, If you're an MMO veteran, I don't think that there's going to be something that you're not going to like here. All right, all right. Well, Kyle, my mortal enemy, are you ready to dance? Absolutely. Are you ready to dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Anybody know what movie that's from? Uh, something with a banjo? What? Batman? Yes, the original Batman. Thank you, Kyle. What Zach's, is a banjo? Wait, the, the original Batman or Batman, the new the original, Batman? Original, the original Batman. with Michael Keaton. Jack Batman. Nicholson. Yeah. Jack what's Nicholson. What's Batman? Batman? What? I said, what's a Batman? Oh, fuck oh. Yeah. See, Zach's right now going, wait a minute. The original Batman wasn't with Chris Nolan and Chris Bale. <laughs> He's just really confused okay. right now. It's Zach, back in 1989, there was a Batman with Michael Keaton, you know, Beetlejuice. Oh, God, now we have to explain. Wait, I'm going to check if Zach was even born yet. <laughs> wait, hold on a second. Take that, Zach. Not here to defend yourself. We miss you. Uh, All right, Kyle. So you've been playing uh, a little game that's coming out uh, May 17th, right? I, I, I don't know if this is a big game for this year. Uh, what, what have you been playing? Something uh, – something We talked about it in the intro. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm playing no, – Oh, John. I'm doing what they used to do in old-timey radio, jackass. God. What the hell's a radio? All right, that's enough out of John. All right, Kyle, tell us about The Witcher 2. Witcher 2, it's uh, it's very witchery. Um... Okay, and that's it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it so far, um, it has done nothing but impress me, actually. You're kind of thrust in an in-media's res situation with... It actually picks up right after the first game. So you should play the first game and beat it just like Rob did recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you don't recommend somebody going straight to Witcher 2 if they haven't I, touched the first one? I mean, there's an in-game encyclopedia which might help, mm-hmm. but I think you should honestly play the first game. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's about 17 days to do that, and it's possible. <laughs> so I, I would do it. And it's a great game, <clears throat> despite what Rob may say in the future. Mm-hmm. So you'd be missing out anyway. But I think... So you're thrust into this, the prologue, which um, Geralt is arrested, and you think that it's probably unjustified, but Geralt has to explain why it's unjustified. And so it flashes back to events leading up to his imprisonment, and I can't reveal much about the plot, so you'll have to figure it out on May 17th, but uh, the prologue is pretty impressive. You go through a variety of different situations, you try out combat you try out exploration um and it basically gives you a it's kind of obviously it acts as a tutorial as well now uh i know that we you can't actually talk about the story sequences um when i saw this game at e3 last year the thing that most impressed me was 
the dialogue sequences, which were a gargantuan part of the original Witcher. Um, and their new engine, from what I understand, has pretty dynamic abilities where it's like, okay, we can bring characters in, we can remove them, we can have better conversations. Have you run into any of that yet? Uh, a bit, yeah. It's not really like, you know, kind of like in, I guess, Dragon Age maybe, you kind of go into like a different mode when you have a conversation. Mm-hmm. It it's feels... not really like that. It's more seamless with the cutscene. You're just oh. walking along, and then there's a dialogue option or something like that. And you know, there might be like two or three characters that are kind of talking to you, and um, one of them asks you something, and then you respond, or you respond to all three. So it's more seamless and more natural feeling than just like entering into this different kind of mode. It's not really awkward like that. All right, that's good. I have some questions. <laughs> Here we I go. Bet you do. Um, yes, I do. Um, and I'm going to focus on purely mechanics with okay. The Witcher 2 uh, because I, I will be the first one to say I adore The Witcher 1 for the story, for the characters, for the world. I, I love it. I've already decided I'm going to read those books uh, this summer uh, as soon as I'm done Song of Ice and Fire. I, I absolutely love those aspects. Now – the gameplay portions of Witcher 1, and I'll talk about them in a little bit, it, very archaic, very quirky. It seems like Witcher 2, from what we've seen, plays much more traditional. They've done away with the combat stances. They've done away it, – it's now down to just heavy attack on, on the right mouse button, light attack on the left mouse button, and right. you have your two swords. You have your your iron sword, which is for human opponents, and then your silver sword for monsters because you're a witcher. You you kill monsters. That's what you do. Now, I think it's th- steel sword. Steel sword. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, th- now, the witcher – when it comes to when it came to like the health system and whatnot in The Witcher, that those were some of the things that would just tick me off to no end. The fact that, you know, it's it's very uh, realistic in that The Witcher he he doesn't just regenerate health like you're playing Call of Duty, but it didn't make for a quality game experience. Now, when I watch The Witcher two, it's very hard for me to get a feel to that. Do you still have to take like your alchemy potions to make sure that you're constantly healing? Do you still apply oils to your swords to make sure that you're doing more damage it seems like all those alchemy components are still in the witcher 2 are they as prevalent are they as necessary to your survival because in witcher 1 you were completely screwed in a fight before it even started if you weren't prepared okay um i guess it depends on how skilled you are with the battle system because when i was going through i didn't really use many potions or oils um, in fact, it took me a, few, a little while to figure out how to actually do that um, <laughs> because I couldn't find out how to meditate and you know, prepare the potions and stuff. So you can definitely get away with not using them, but it would make it a lot easier, I think. And, but as for how prevalent they are, it depends on, what you, depends on how you want to play. You know, The Witcher has – Geralt has three trees that he can focus on, and I don't think that they're – the maximum level is 35. So I don't think there are enough talents to max out even two trees. So you kind of have to choose swordplay, alchemy, or signs, which is magic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you win alchemy, then obviously you're going to want to use it. But if you win swordplay, you might not have to. Yeah, and, and that, that's what I picked up on because I think by, by making the game more like an action game – uh, whereas in the original Witcher, it's very, it was a rhythmic clicking, and it was very much you know RPG it was, dice it was, rolls. It was it was like Fantasy Star. 
Yes, yes, no, it was. It, it very much was like Fantasy Star Online, where it was very rhythmic in how you, you press the button to get Geralt to attack. By making the game more like an action game, I'm I'm pretty decent at action games. You know, I, I kind of play God of War right. on higher difficulty levels. I play Ninja Gaiden. Like, I consider myself to be a pretty decent action gamer. Am I going to walk into The Witcher 2? Is this going to be like with Mass Effect 2, where I walked in as a decent sniper with mouse and keyboard, and I felt more comfortable. I got to feel better playing The Witcher. I think you will. Um, I don't think their tutorial was complete in the preview build because it didn't really tell me anything. Um, it said what you said: left click to light attack, right click to heavy attack. But that's not enough to survive at all. Um, I got into combat and didn't succeed. <laughs> <laughs> you died. <laughs> <laughs> I think. There's like some kind of there's still a timing mechanism to it. What it reminds me of is the combat of Assassin's Creed or Batman Arkham Asylum. Okay. Okay. Now where the, go ahead, go ahead. You, where you click, if you do it right, the attacks are very smooth. He attacks once again and keeps hitting, and you can actually switch between enemies way across the battlefield. If you move around with the mouse, the auto targeting, you can attack the person way behind you and then flip over here and attack somebody else. If you do it right, but if you kind of botch it, then you stop attacking. It's more staggered and stilted, and then you're going to get hit. Hmm. Now, the, oh, really, really quick. I have, I have a quick question related to combat. I already know the answer, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. Have you had a chance to – to? they added uh, gamepad support to this one? Have you had a chance to play around with that? No, I haven't. All right. But yeah, I, they, knew the, they, I knew the answer to that already, but I had to ask. They said that they – I think you can use the 360 controller currently. That's what it said in yeah. the notes. Yeah, no, they showed it No, that's at, what they showed at, at E3 when at we E3. saw okay, it last yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Now, does the game have um, like a blocking system? Does it have a repost system? I know I'm really oh, getting yeah. down into the nitty-gritty, and I don't mean to no, put you on the spot, Kyle, but this is the stuff that I really care about. Yeah, com- combat is really complex. Um, first off, I just want to say that it was really fun. Um, I couldn't wait to get back into combat, which is always a good sign. Mm. Because it takes real skill, and it's um, it's varied. Different enemies require different tactics, and there are a lot of different things you can do. There are the two different kinds of attacks, but then there's parrying. You can roll to avoid attacks. Obviously, you can just run around. Um, and then you can, use, you can throw things like daggers and bombs. Um, and, of course, then there's magic, which, which puts in completely new tactics you can stun enemies and then finish them off in one hit um so there's a lot of different things you can do and different enemies require different things um, they were crossbowmen and they were unarmed and very weak and so a few light attacks would finish them off but then there were armed soldiers with tower shields and at first i wasn't sure how to approach them i couldn't really do much damage to them so you had to stun them or use your heavy attack for those Okay. Okay. So, so it's this isn't like a developer is suffering from making their first action game. It seems like they've they're taking the good bits and pieces. I mean, I love Arkham oh. Asylum's battle system. I love aspects of Assassin's Creed battle system, but I, I think there's oh. issues with both of those. But I, uh, I think that a big deal for CD Projekt on this one was if if you're unaware, the first. Uh, Witcher title is based on the Bioware Aurora engine, yeah. mm-hmm. which is the engine from Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic and Jade Empire. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What, 
just can I make a quick comment on that, and then I'll let you keep going, John? Yeah. When we talk about Witcher 1, I want everybody to be 100% clear. What those guys did with that engine was incredible. I, I'm going to talk my piece about Witcher 1 and the problems I have with it, but good lord, what they were able to pull off with that engine, you have to give them credit for what yeah, they did. Yeah, it's, it's like saying, you know, you, you get all these companies now that are building on Unreal 3. And it'd be like, okay, so you have guys building, you know, you have Epic with Gears of War 3 and Bulletstorm. It would be like, uh, you know, some Polish developer saying, okay, we're going to do this. Give me the Unreal 2 engine, and I'm going to make a game that's just as good. Yeah. And it's crazy. It's crazy that they would even try it, let alone the fact that they got as decent as they did. Mm-hmm. So, so, And now they have a new engine. Yes, yes they have the, the red engine, I think they're calling it, um, which is built from the ground up, totally done in-house at CD Projekt. And based on what we've seen, or what I've seen at E3, Kyle has more, you know, he's, he's played the game, uh, They've done a fantastic job at actually crafting this. They're like, okay, what do we need for The Witcher? Well, we need this and this and this. Okay, let's do that. And I, I'm cool with that. <laughs> like, so, I don't know what else to say other than good job, guys. A really good job. Yeah, I mean, I, I am so excited for what I've seen. Uh, Kyle, is there anything else that you've that you've left out? Anything else that you're really excited about? Just the – not only the detail of the world, but just the kind of varied situations that I was put in. And how, I long, ne- I never, how long was the preview build, not to cut you off? Um, well, I didn't really finish it because I had to get a new graphics card, um, and it's not available forever. So I don't know if I can finish it, but um, it was basi- it's basically the prologue and the first act. Wow. So it's actually um, a decent hunk of the game. Right. Okay. And but from what I've seen, it's just you never know what's going to happen next. You never know what you're going to have to do next. And I can't really say what some of the surprises are, but even in the prologue, I mean, prepare to be surprised. And just the detail of the world, you know, just walking around, um, just all kinds of little things are really – I think going to make it a great game. Now I'm going to ask a question, and then John's going to yell at me. Rob, let it go. But I'm going to no, ask. no, oh, Rob, no, you don't, no, you don't even get to ask this question. It's just a little. Question. No, no, it's about the questing structure. No, no, it's not. You're going to ask. No, I'm not going to ask about the books. I promise I won't ask about the books. Okay. Okay. He's going to ask about. The books. I'm not going to ask about the books. All right. All right. All right. Here we go. Oh, okay. Now. The questing structure, because you got to play some of Act 1. How do they you, – you obviously get a quest from a quest giver. Does it, outline for, does it outline for you on your journal and on your map where you need to go in order to complete the quest? Because yeah, one, there's, there's, a, there's a journal, which in the preview build, there were actually a bunch of mistakes in the journal, okay. <laughs> which hopefully will be fixed. Just for having played – Many, 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 many preview builds myself. Um, when a, when a developer usually says this is a preview build, it's usually a build from about a month previous. Okay. Like they don't go, yeah, we finished this build. No, they get a build prepared, and okay, it's yeah, usually specifically sense. for preview, and then they continue work on the game. Right. Um, no, I, I was remember, just 
yeah, I was no, no, no. I, making a joke. I'm sure it will be fixed. But uh, yeah. in- interesting story. Um, Soul Nomad, PS2 strategy RPG. The very first build I had of that game had um, instructions in English, and every other piece of dialogue or text had been stripped from the game. So wow. I had menus and nothing else. <laughs> oh God! This so is now a little more complete than that. So, so now, when you get a quest, um, one of my complaints about Witcher One was that you needed like information in order to complete the quest, or it would just give you a vague outline. And that that's very much as we talked before the show. That's very much in the non-hand holding tradition of RPGs, which I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying I don't enjoy it, but I think it's awesome that other people do. Does this game hold your hand a little bit more? Maybe not to the extent of Dragon Age Two, where it just tells you exactly where you need to go every time for a quest. Yeah, I mean, there's a pretty good map, and they're actually really cool maps, really hand drawn and really neat looking. Um, all the menus and interface is really cool. But there's also like a thing on the just the the heads up display that actually displays a quest, and you can mark it, you know, and it'll show you like what you're supposed to be doing and that kind of thing. So it seems a little bit more accessible in that aspect um hopefully not too much right 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 i mean there's something to be said for the game letting you explore and letting you figure things out but i just and and maybe we'll get into this when we talk witcher one it's just witcher one would just drive me up a wall with not telling me exactly what to do sometimes it would it would spell it out in the wow. journal and then i'm like well i don't know where to go i don't know what to <laughs> rob you sound like me this is scaring me <laughs> i am not a patient player when stuff like that happens in fact i get really um annoyed when i can't figure out where i need to go because uh, i don't have time to sit there and explore as much as i would like and i just kind of want like an idea of where i need to go and when i don't have it i go pretty crazy i'm john will attest to this like i will be like where do i go i'm lost I can't figure it out. So. I feel I feel bad for Steven because he had the misfortune of being on Steam for like the past week when I've been playing. And I played through Half-Life 2. And every once in a while you do the Half-Life shuffle where you have no idea where you're supposed to go. And you just start jumping at random walls and hoping that it's the one that you're supposed to be able to get up. Or you're looking for like the one valve or turn that you need to make in order to get through an area. And I was just absolutely losing it. And then Witcher 1 happened last night, and I, I spent the last four hours beating the game. And I, I beat that damn game, all right? It did everything in its power to be – it crashed twice. It was just – this game did not want me to beat it last night, but, oh, I kicked its ass. I beat so, this game. So is there no, no map in that game? I can't remember. No, there's a map, but it's just sometimes it doesn't outline where to go in a quest. Or okay. say you need to go talk to Kalkstein, one of the alchemists in the game. You need to go talk to him. Well, it'll show you where Kalkstein yeah. is, but Kalkstein moves during the day. So it only shows you where he is at at some random arbitrary okay. time. Oh, so you go. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you go at high noon to go see Kalkstein, and he's not there <laughs> because he's only in that spot at six o'clock at night. And you need to know that because you need to go to the Witcher Wiki and figure out how to like that kind of stuff. I was all oh my. Okay, one, two, three. All right, I'm good. Rob, there was a sign on the door that said Kalkstein here. 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. <laughs> but that was the thing. Like sometimes the game would tell you, like, "Hey, you should go look for this guy at this time," and sometimes it wouldn't. The game well, was just. We, it, we were talking about this before we started recording. Um, how 
a lot of these Eastern European titles just kind of are like, oh, hey, go. Yeah. You know, we, we were talking about Stalker, which is not so much, you know, it's, it's kind of like Fallout, except Fallout's like, oh, would you like to go over here? You should talk to this guy. Stalker's like, hi, here's a gun. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully you know which end shoots things. And like, if you uh, have no sense of direction like me, that's that's deadly to me. <laughs> well, and then to make matters worse, the last couple areas of Witcher 1 are ridiculously cheap. You're fighting enemies that just stun lock you over and over again. They just knock you flat on your butt, and then the second you get back up, they knock you down again. The battle system really started to fail me. You know, I... I didn't have all the alchemy components necessary to create things. I mean, it's it's a ridiculous. Well, wait, Rob, I have a question. How cheap are we talking? Because you refer to a lot of games as cheap with the attacks. Like, is this no, like above other games? This is like uh, you know, um, you know, the rock golem at the end of the first act in Dragon Age One, and how yes, he I just, remember that, and how he could just keep on knocking you down. Well, yeah, but you had to adjust your strategy, and that right. wasn't now, too bad. Now, imagine, imagine you're surrounded by three of, three or four of him, uh-huh. and they keep knocking you down. And there's nowhere to hide. For there's cover nowhere to anyway. hide. You just have to hope that they don't do that. Well, your Witcher must have sucked, Rob, because well, I didn't have that problem. Yeah. Clearly, well, my no, Witcher no, was no. broken. I think that, that, that Rob's Witcher sucked. I will I will stand oh, by that. I think it may be that you take out the word Witcher out of that previous sentence. Everybody in here that's beaten Demon Souls three times in a row, put up your hand. Go F yourselves. Oh, so that's how you're going to earn your cred? Yeah, I earned my cred. <laughs> no, you could be one, really good at one game and terrible at all that, the rest. That's true. That's yeah. true. But here's the thing. Was Rob like – like Rob had said he – had some trouble with figuring out the game didn't tell him exactly some of the stuff that he yeah. needed. Oh, the game's just like there's an alchemy system. Right, moving on. No, the, the alchemy system is admittedly uh, beguiling. <laughs> they don't really explain how to do it. And <laughs> I mean, I kind of like that just because it's it's interesting, but yeah, the, it was a little bit overboard. With well, yeah, and that's another question. Like, some people really like tutorials, and other people yeah. hate them. And I remember when I started Star Ocean 4, like, I went from tutorial to this to this and that, and I was just like, can I just play the game already? Like, sometimes sure. I want to figure it out on my own, but if it's a more advanced system, like, sometimes you need some instruction on what the heck you're supposed to do. Right, and I mean, at, I use the Demon Souls argument. Uh, at the beginning, I, I wasn't. I, I, of course, I was doing that for comedic effect. But it goes back to Demon Souls. You have a sword, you have a shield, you have a stamina bar, and you have a health bar. And I never used magic, so I didn't even worry about the magic bar. So it was a very rigid, simple rule system, and I could work within that. Witcher One is very much like you have this amazing alchemy system where you can take potions and make oils that you know will do certain damage to certain enemies. But a lot of times you don't know what you're walking into until you walk into the situation. So what would happen is I would walk into a room, and that room would turn out to have uh, a. But wait, scene. isn't that more realistic that you don't know what you're going, what you're walking into? Okay, now here's what happens: you okay. walk into a room. Okay, and suddenly you have a cutscene, and then you're surrounded by ten dudes, and you have to kill all of them. 
Okay, now you know that you need your steel sword so that you know you equip that one right off the bat. You have to figure out which ones you need to hit, which with stance, because the other two stances that you have will do absolutely nothing to those enemies. So you first need to figure out which stance and which sword to use. Then you need to start applying your potions and your oils and all this, that, and the other thing to buff yourself. All this time you're being surrounded by ten dudes who are hacking away at you. The odds are that by the time you're done buffering yourself, you're dead. So now you know, okay, I'm going to do all that stuff before the cutscene, and then you walk in and you kick the ah. butt. The game has no diff- – the original Witcher has no difficulty curve. Either the, bu- either the fight is way too easy and you just kill everything and you don't even lose any health or you just die and you die hard and you die very quickly. And then you know, okay, well, I screwed that up. Now I need to do it again and do it the right way. So as long as you have the quick save, you're good. But it's and very I, frustrating. I think as I was saying earlier, that's that's kind of something that's standard in Eastern European RPGs. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, and for people that like that gameplay, that's fine. But like, I found it so frustrating to not know what I was going to walk up against. Like, okay, uh, I think I'm, I'm I'm in a crypt, so maybe I'm going to fight a bunch of vampires. So I'm going to put the necrophage oil on my sword. Okay, I got that. Uh, I'm going to take the health potion because uh, that lets my health slowly restore. And I'm going to take a blizzard potion because that makes me move really fast and in combat. See, right. yeah, this and, is kind of, like, interesting because I see the point where, like, it's realistic. You don't know what you're walking into. But if after you walk into it and you fail, you figure out, oh, I just have to do all this before this and I can beat it, it takes um, away from the intensity of the situation but, a little bit. Right. Like, it's this is not the only kind of game that does this. No, no, no. The, the thing that immediately comes to mind, and, and while not the same, we were talking about this series earlier, mm-hmm. um, Splinter Cell. The way Splinter Cell works is you go into a room, you die, and you go, okay, I know exactly where all the dudes in this room are now. I can get past it. Right, and I would 100% agree with you. And yeah, I think- and I agree. It does happen in a lot of games. For me, I, I like situations to kind of surprise me, and I like being able to adjust my strategy as I see where I made my mistake, but at the same time, then it takes a little bit out of the fun of the intensity of the situation. Right. Now, to make sure that I have a complete episode of Random Encounter, I'm going to use a Metal Gear Solid argument right now. Oh, here so we go. The counter-argument to the Splinter Cell, you walk into a room and you die, and now you know where everybody is the counter argument is in metal gear solid 3 when you get to the heliport and the game puts you into this scenario which is nice big and open and you're kind of on a hill and you can use your binoculars to scope out the area figure out where everybody is and then decide how to go in so there's the preparation beforehand while still in game you don't have to go in and die mm-hmm. to figure out what you're going to do and, and you're right john the witcher is not the only game to do this but it started to become so aggravating toward the end of the game that I started to dread the combat. I started to on, like Kyle saying that he was looking forward to combat in Witcher 2. That has me so excited because I loathed combat in Witcher 1. It was I really I really think you're going to like it, Rob, because you don't like dif- you don't like difficulty that is dependent upon like random statistics, right? Yes, Kyle, you know me better than I know myself. You're right. I do okay. not like random statistic difficulty. Okay, so in The Witcher, I died because I sucked at the combat. Good. <laughs> I like that. It takes, it takes skill. I had to know when to roll out of the way, when to do my attacks, when to, um, when to parry, 
when to block, when to do a magic spell. It took skill, and I wasn't very good at it, and so I died. See, what's interesting is, like, I I think that there has to be some kind of good medium there. Like, I I want there to be a modicum of skill required, but I also want there to be those RPG statistic systems. I want to know that 23% of the time that I attack, I'm going to do more damage because I got a critical. I right. like that, but I don't like the missing. Okay, See, it, I, I, I totally hear what John just said. I totally do. Kyle, go ahead. And I think The Witcher kind of The Witcher Two will kind of cater to both parties because there are statistics. And actually there's a little box at the bottom that actually shows you how much damage you're dealing and how much damage you're taking, which is kinda cool. Um and there are damage ranges. So I think there will be that element of statistics. You know, you take this ability, you know that you're not when you're attacked from behind, you're gonna take you're not going to take double damage anymore, and it's 100% sure. So there is that aspect of getting better through statistics, but there's also that aspect of getting better through experience with the battle system. Yeah, and see, that that's like the best of both worlds. Like I, Again, I'm a huge action gamer. One of my favorite action game moments was, I don't know if you guys played, uh, in God of War 2, there's, no. there's the long hallway of death right before um, the third Sister of Fate. I beat that on the hardest difficulty mode, and it was like an ordeal. Like It's like a 20-minute fight with no save point, and I had to do it over and over again, and every time I just got a little bit closer, but you know what? Every time I died, I said, wow, I really screwed that up. Like I got myself cornered, or I, I didn't use my magic in a particularly correct way. I never felt cheated, and the same thing with Demon Souls. Now, when I'm playing the original Witcher, and I'm clicking on enemies to kill them, and all of a sudden, I'm not doing any damage, or all of a sudden they just randomly do a crap ton of damage to me. Like there's there's one fat bald guard at the very end of the game. <laughs> like this, uh, do you know who I'm talking about? No, it's the, just. There's this one fat, bald guard. He, he's just like – he's part of a side quest. He means nothing, and you just randomly get into a fight with him, which that was one thing in The Witcher 1. Every, every once in a while in Witcher 1, I never understood why like all of a sudden my decision just went completely um, bad, and I automatically got myself into a fight. Like I didn't expect it was going to go that bad. Maybe that was just lost in translation or me not caring. Okay, so this fat, bald guard that's literally up to the Witcher's nipples all of a sudden just starts doing massive damage to me, and he kills me in three hits. And I'm you just know, staring at the game, and I'm like, what? You know, it, it also – like you look at some of the standard RPG tropes, and you, you know what? The enemies at the end of the game doesn't matter if it's a dog. That dog can destroy anyone in three quarters of the world. This guy was like a white Carl Winslow, and he kicked <laughs> my ass. Oh. He was just like Steve, and he just knocked Rob, 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 that's your problem right there. Carl Winslow is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so like. And, and Kyle, did you have this problem with The Witcher One, where it was just either the battle was way too hard, or it, or you never lost health? Like there was no middle ground. It was either you just trounced all the enemies, or you just died. Not really. I remember it being a pretty good difficulty. Ah, oh, God, maybe I just suck at Witcher One. I'm learning the games I suck at. I suck at Witcher One, and I really suck at the original Deus Ex. 
Those are the games I suck at. Demon Souls, for whatever reason, I'm like an idiot savant at that game. (laughs) No, what it comes down to is is the kind of games that you can really learn for yourself. Like, I cannot, I I try and play Europa Universalis like every month or so. And I go, I'm like, I'm going to play Europa Universalis. And I get destroyed by the computer on the easiest difficulty. Because for whatever reason, I can't wrap my head around how the system works. But I can go and play Civ Five on the highest difficulty and actually have a pretty decent chance at winning. I can get through all of... I, I know it's not the hardest game in the world, but it is a very rhythmic game. But uh, Batman Arkham Asylum, like those challenge rooms, I was playing those challenge rooms and I was scoring in the top 10 on PlayStation Network when it was working. Like, I'd, I was so good at that combat system like i just knew it inside and out and it was so rhythmic it's weird it's like every once in a while you just find a game that you click with and like for me it was arkham asylum for me it's it's god of war like those are the games that i just really really click with and everything feels right and then there's games like bayonetta that i should love and just feel like a chaotic mess and i have no idea what's going on playing and and i hear you and kind of on my point where i was saying earlier when there are statistics involved i tend to be good I rarely, if ever, died in Fallout. Yeah. You know, because I was like, okay, how can I play these numbers that I see? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's, you know, that just may be how my brain works. Yeah, and I mean, I, I didn't find Fallout One to be particularly hard, except if you, if you push into DC at the very beginning of the game, then it's, it really sucks. You mean Fallout Three? Yeah, Fallout Three. Yeah. (laughs) I was about to say because Fallout One's actually pretty tough. Oh, God, you were talking Fallout. Dude, you're nuts. <laughs> I can't make it out of the first town in Fallout 1. I'm just, I cannot make it out of the first town. It's, it's all like those games are truly about how you build your statistics and play the percentages. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, no, like you go in and I play Arcanum. Arcanum, despite all of its flaws, one of my favorite games. You go, you play the percentages. You build yourself an idiot savant. Who everyone thinks is retarded, but you give him a buttload of strength and dexterity. He gambles everyone to death, and he shoots everyone and criticals them. And you are a god in that game. Yeah, and I guess I'm just I'm not a statistic. Maybe it's the same way I play poker. Like I don't play poker. I don't play the statistics. I play the person like, sitting across the table from me. I, I reviewed Demon Souls for RPG fan. I was awful at Demon Souls because <laughs> I would get. I would get impatient, and I would be like, oh, I want to go, and be like, duh, you are dead. <laughs> do, you, do you remember the part in Demon's Souls, uh, and, and then we'll get to news. Uh, it, you remember the part in Demon's Souls? It's like the second uh, level. It's like 2-1, and you have to pull this crank to go down to fight the uh, the fire spider or whatever. I, you know, I've put so much of that game out of my brain Okay, now. okay. The, you have to pull this crank. I sat there for five minutes debating whether or not to pull the crank because I honestly thought the game was going to kill me because like, <laughs> I, saw, I saw a phantom die right after they pulled the crank. Like the, the phantom in the game pulled the crank and then the person died, and I was like, I don't want to pull that. That's going to kill me. I, I was so paranoid playing this game. I was like, no, I'm not going to go in there. Screw you, game. Like, I w- Interesting because it seems very much like what Heavy Rain did. To a lot of us, but Demon Souls did it to you, or it actually kind of got in your head. Yeah, Demon Souls was screwing with me at the end of that game. Like Demon Souls, and I—that uh, was you know Stockholm syndrome. 
Like that game was just making fun of me and I just would not let it beat me. And again, every time I died in Demon Souls, except for once when I rolled and the game camera like spazzed out, every death I just looked at the game and I was like, oh, you, you got me. You got me impatient and I ran into the room and I got myself killed. Kyle, what are your thoughts on Demon Souls? I'm, I'm interested. Did, did you like it or are you in the hater camp? I've actually not played it yet. You need to play it. I think that would be really cool because you and I disagree so much on games. I think that would be a cool one to have a conversation. Uh, it would. It sounds like a game that I would absolutely despise, but um, I love it. I don't know. It could surprise me. Yeah, that's actually why I was afraid to pick it up because I'm a very impatient player, and I so knew I would I, like run into something and get myself killed, and then I'd just be like, why? I'm afraid, I'm afraid I'll break something, honestly. I, I have a friend of mine, and I feel so bad for her because she she picked it up on my recommendation. And like after two days of playing, I was like, "So how you like a Demon Souls?" She's like, "Almost broke a controller, Rob. Thanks for recommending that game." And I was like, "I'm sorry. I'm like the I'm the angriest gamer in the universe." And well, I, I even brought this up to you, Rob. I was surprised that that's a game that you liked, but then I thought about it, and I uh, it's if you die, it's basically your fault. You did something stupid. It wasn't a mechanic in the game. Like, Third Birthday is a game that I ran into where it wasn't my fault why I was dying. It was always some cheap gimmick. Like, the camera wasn't facing where it should and all these other things. So I can see why you like it. Yep, and uh, I just want to let everybody know that as of right now, I am scheduled to review Dark Souls, and I am very, very excited for that. I am chomping at the bit to play that game. I really Well, do you think it's going to live up to... I think it's going to be really hard because I think that's that's a game that it's carrying on the tradition of Demon Souls, mm-hmm. and I think there's lots that they can improve on. Um, I, I still there's parts of Demon Souls that I love that, and then there's parts they need to work on. I think the Red Phantom mechanic is inherently broken. It's annoying to have people invade your game that are way overpowered and you have no chance of beating them. I had one of them do a mercy killing on himself because I was like level four replaying the game. And he, I literally went up and attacked him, and I took off a sliver of health. I was like, oh, okay. And and also, I would like it so that maybe Steven and I could play the game easily together, and we wouldn't have to call each other back and forth to try to get the game to work properly. You know, okay, I'm going to lay down my soul sign, and then when you see it, you, you summon me really quick so that nobody else gets me. So I... It's hard for me to say I'm trying to keep my expectations low, but every mm-hmm. time a screenshot for that game comes out, I just get... I'm so pumped. Like, Demon Souls is a lot like Silent Hill 2 to me, where I have a very, like, I love that game, even though I know it hates me. I know that game hates me, but I love it. I, I look at it on my wall, and I'm just like, I love you. And it's like, F you, Steinman. Like, it's, it's, like a, it's like a rhinoceros that doesn't love you. See, we're so used to you complaining about games that this is surreal to me right now. <laughs> the fact that I love a game, no, yeah, no, no, no. and a game I, that no, and I, it's a game I, that many I, people don't lo- like, don't like because of the difficulty. So it's interesting. I don't think Rob has love for the game. I think he has not hate. <laughs> it's just <laughs> not hate. It's just, dude, I love The Witcher except it's, when I'm playing it. <laughs> it's like when Bart Simpson asks, "What's the opposite of shame?" Pride? No, not that far from shame. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I just love the game because it, what Kim said, it's my fault. It's my fault when I did something wrong. I don't feel like uh, a statistic got me. It's my fault that I didn't have the purple flame shield. I, well, I will say – Love Witcher 2. I, I, yeah, and I, I will say this though about Demon Souls. That game – 
it does suffer from the same problem about Witcher 1 where it's it's very much you have to go out and find the information. You have to find out where the purple flame shield is. You have to find out where the best weapons are. But there was such a good fan community already built up around the game that it was very easy to find that information. So it was kind of like, wow, this uh, flame spider is really hard. And people are like, oh, you need to go here and get this get this shield. So it rewarded exploration. And I, I don't know why it didn't bother me in Demon Souls, but it really bothered me in Witcher 1. It really bothered me in Witcher 1. I don't know. I, I don't know why it didn't bother me in that game. Do you game. think maybe you were gelling more on the story in Witcher 1 and it was just hard when, you know, I you think that was. I think that was part of it, but then the, the other part was that I was being rewarded for exploration in Demon's Souls. Like, you can find the purple flame shield very – I keep going back to the shield, but this shield is like the make or break of the first five hours of the game. If you don't have the purple flame shield, you're screwed because it, it is the most powerful shield in the game at the start, and it – it has 100% fire protection, so it's the only way you're going to get through some of the early bosses. You can easily find that shield if you go exploring. So I could have found it on my own, but oh, with I a little bit of direction from the fan community, I knew where I was going. How the hell was I supposed to know how to build a swallow potion in The Witcher? <laughs> I don't like, know. The hell well, it tells you in... for that shield unless like you talk to the fan community. You know what I'm saying? Like... But I would have found it if I just kept exploring. I would have found it. And while you're exploring, you're still leveling up. So oh, there, so I don't least... know why it didn't bother me. It's very weird. It's very weird. I don't know. Well, in The Witcher 2, you start out knowing how to make several potions, and Good. it's pretty easy to do. So. Good. Good. Awesome. So give us yeah. the last word on Witcher 2, and then we're going to go to news. Well, um, I haven't been this excited for a game in a long time. I think it's going to be excellent. I think it has the edge over even, you know, Bioware's latest, Dragon Age 2, that sort of thing. Um, I think it'll be unique enough to where it will, on, it, on its un- uniqueness and individuality alone, I think it can succeed. But well, and, and the, it seems to have a- There was a market there for Witcher 1. Witcher 1 Worldwide sold like 1.5 million copies. Yeah, it sold very so, well. Better than Dungeon Siege 3 is going to sell. Oh, Look, Rob. Oh, God. You know what? None of that. <laughs> Rob, you just made me lose my train of thought. I had something to distribute, <laughs> and then you totally had to take it there. <laughs> and I, I just want to – I know it's kind of superficial, of course, but I just want to say that it is a beautiful game. Um, the lighting and color palette in particular is really impressive and interesting. It is really – I was talking mature, to John about Witcher kind of today world. I've – Yeah, because I've never played the games, but he said, and I really like choice in games, and he said that it takes choice to like a whole new level beyond what Bioware does, and it actually is that that's what it does to separate itself. Yeah, it's feeling that that. with the choices in this one or no? I mean, you're early in the game, so I know John has complained about before where in Bioware games it's like, oh, here's a choice. You know, there's a choice. Like it Mm -hmm. basically just points to it and says, okay, here's a choice. You either do this or this. But in The Witcher 2, it was like I went to I went to fight someone, or there was somebody that I had to either. I mean, he said Geralt said that he would try to talk to him, but when I first did it, it really seemed like it was a fixed battle. Mm-hmm. But then I died on it, and I was like, okay, that was really difficult. Uh, I'm not very good at the system. I'm gonna say the other dialogue option, and there were only two. And then he started talking more, and I was like, hmm, this is kind of interesting. And then there were some more dialogue options. And so I kept selecting – I think I went through like two more selections. And then he actually surrendered and disarmed himself. And oh, so I was like, oh, that was a choice, and I didn't know it, which was really cool. Hmm. 
sneaks up on you. There you go. Yeah. I, I'm really excited. That's I'm, actually really cool. <laughs> Kyle, I it, was, it was really impressive. Kyle, I definitely want to have you back on the show uh, when you're like ready to review The Witcher, and I think it'll be cool. Um, God, why do they have to release this game the same day as L.A. Noir? Look, you have to make a choice, and you need to make the right choice, Rob. I think I'm going to go L.A. Noir. I'm I'm very honest well, in that. Well, clearly I, you made the wrong choice. I think I'm going to yeah, make the wrong pretty, choice. But wrong. I mean, you have Kyle here telling you how great The Witcher 2 is. I, I, I know, but know. I'm so intrigued. Live up to. I am, too. I actually really want to play that game, and I was talking to John about it today because I was like, can we buy it? And he was very much against, like, well, you don't even know if you're going to like it. It could be horrible. But. Well, and I'm really happy that they just announced that you can turn off the audio and visual clues in the game to tell you that you found a clue, so you can make the game as hard as you wanted to. I know a lot of people were complaining, like, "Oh, I don't want the game to tell me when there's a clue or when I've gotten all the clues." Wait. And you can turn that off. Man, do you know what would be great is if you found a clue, you had small children that yelled a clue, a clue, and you put it in a notebook. Clues, clues, clues. Well, you do have a notebook. So I'm just excited excited that the game is going to have, you know, a decent story, unlike Heavy Rain. Oh, Oh. Oh, Rob. Okay, Rob can shut up. I can start doing news. Yep, all right. No, wait, there's only one news story that matters. There's only one news story that matters, and this is in honor of Steven not being here tonight. According to the lead designer of Diablo 3, it's in the home stretch. So, Diablo 3 2013 confirmed. (laughs) <laughs> you hope okay i know all right first off tales of the abyss for 3ds coming to north america which honestly surprises the hell out of me i did not think it was going to happen i actually didn't think it was going to happen either i'm kind of wondering if they're going to try to bring back a lot more of the tales games i mean i'm a huge tales fan abyss is probably one of my favorite tales games so i'm stoked for this but Kind of not, because I've already played through the game. and well, We've got Grace's F coming, too. Um, that, yeah, that's actually what I'm signed up to review. So I'm excited about that. But I'm wondering if we're going to get the other game. Um, Zillia? Oh Zillia, yeah. We'll Which, see. Like, well, I think, think Tail fans, they feel very um, cheated in a way. We've got games that we should have... No, we haven't got games that we should have gotten, and we've gotten other ones in the place that weren't as great as that. So it's been kind of like a mess but, but all through the process. We, we've also not gotten games that sh- very well stayed in Japan. Yeah, but there's some have. that should have came, like we should have got that we didn't. So I think fans kind of feel cheated. Um, I think they feel, you know, they haven't always gotten what they deserved but at the same time i think abyss is like a kind of showing a step that they're they're willing to bring more over here games over here than we thought because i was the same camp as you john i did not think that they were gonna you know bring it over for 3ds because i'm pretty sure with the playstation 2 release that they're just kind of like whatever what i think is that the 3ds is still a burgeoning platform and i agree with that i think because the um Oh, the launch titles weren't that imp- that impressive or great, and I think that at this point, people who bought a 3DS are looking for something like an RPG to play. So, so I think it's a good idea. Namco Bandai um, said that they, they they wouldn't tell me what they're showing at E3 um, when I'm I'm doing all of our E3 scheduling right now, but they said that they would have cool things to show us. So Xenosaga 4 confirmed. <laughs> it's over. Uh, thank God. Hey now! All hey, right. I wanted that nah, series nah, to be good. Nah. No, so t- today, you. today is not Zeno Saga Day. We should have a Zeno. You know what we should do? We should have a podcast devoted to like 
I, I was thinking about this. We should have like a show devoted to like games that we love that we know are bad and games that we hate that we know are good. Like, like sometimes you just don't like a game, but you inherently think it's good. Like I said that about Radiant Historia. Like I know that's a good game, but I just I don't want to play it because I'm just not enthralled by it. I just thought that would be a good idea for a podcast someday. Listeners, let me know if that's a good idea or I'll just forget that I ever mentioned it. All right. Next news. Sorry. Um, Chaos Rings is getting both a prequel and a sequel. You know what? This is actually one of the most impressive iOS games. Yes. Chaos Rings is a super cool iOS RPG. It's also one of the more expensive ones. Is it just Uh, traditional JRPG or turn-based combat? Turn-based combat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, if you read, uh, I think Tuka reviewed it, John Tucker. Mm-hmm. Um, you all your battles are it, there's four or five teams of two that are in like they they have to fight to the death. You choose who you want to play as, and the battle system is oriented around. Well, do you want these two characters to work together to co- during combat? You can say, okay, I want both characters to attack. They'll do more damage to that single target, but as well, when the enemy attacks them back, it will hit them both. So it's kind of about juggling the characters as, as individuals versus the characters as a group. It's oh. really very interesting. Um, Has there ever been any discussion to expand it like to a different platform, or you think it'll always stay on the iOS? Not as far as I know. It's, it's a game that works well on the iOS. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got it on my iPod. Uh-huh. See, yeah, and I've tried to play games on the iOS, and I, they're very awkward sometimes. Well, so. yep. Chaos Rings does it well because, like, I, I hate, 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 hate when games are like, okay, I'm going to give you this virtual D-pad and virtual buttons. Oh, it sucks. And I go, this is impossible to play without any sort of tactile response. Mm-hmm. But what Chaos Rings does is it says, okay, um, you know what? Wherever you put your finger down, that's where center is going to be. And you can move your character around with your finger. Whenever you lift your finger, center goes away. When you put it back down, that's your new center. Yeah. I think more games are starting to use that. Yeah. I, I, it, it's a platform that I think developers are still learning how to use. It was like with the Nintendo DS. You know what? I, even now, at the end of the original DS's life cycle, there are games that come out that are like, yeah, we really have no idea what to do with the touchscreen. Oh, yeah. That happened throughout and many also when they did use the touch screen failed. So looking at you, Islands of Happiness, Harvest Moon. <laughs> Islands of oh 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 a Harvest Moon game. I forgot Kim was on the show. Uh, <laughs> no, that was the I couldn't even play through the game because it was so touch screen sensitive, but almost too much where it got in the way of your enjoyment. So. Kim, I want to make a Harvest Moon game that's just about being purely evil. I want to make it just for you. Where you'll you'll oh, be able to get out all your like renegade. Me. You'll get out all your renegade. Points. Oh, can you guess what I was in Mass Effect? Oh, Paragon. Duh. I, I'll make it so like you have to steal the farmer's daughter and like sell her into look, slavery. Look, Rob, Rob, Rob. There's a game where you have your own place and you get to be evil. It's called Deception. I know. Can someone get this game for me? Just like mail it to me. Uh, would you, I? I have a copy of Trapped for the PS2. I would, Hell, I will buy it for you. I got like twenty bucks in GameStop credit. I think it's four ninety nine. <laughs> I am so evil. <laughs> all right, you like to be evil. I do. I tell my students that all the time. They're, I had one of my students tell me, "You have problems, Mister Stop." Oh, trapped is out of stock on GameStop.com. Oh. All right. Anyway, more news. Um, Trace has announced two games, and they're working with Konami. 
Interesting. Yeah, so Triace, who had previously worked with Enix and then Square Enix throughout their entire life, then brought out Resonance of Fate with Sega, is now working with Konami. So they got Beyond the Labyrinth is a dungeon crawler for the 3DS. Mm-hmm. Um, not a whole lot of details. 60% done because the Japanese But developers... these are coming out in Japan, right? And not yes, here? Yes, nothing has been announced for U.S. release. I will poke at Konami because next week is going to be the blitz of E3 appointment stuff. See if they have any information. Metal Second, Gear Solid Acid confirmed. Uh, I like Metal Gear Solid or Metal Gear Acid. Acid no sorry, sol- sorry. Oh, I like that game. No, so. I think this is going to be interesting with the 3DS because the Nintendo DS was such a RPG kind of handheld. I wonder if the 3DS is going to be able to keep that up. I think so. I mean, you look at the development cost; it's going to be about equivalent to what a PSP game was. I wonder how they're going to do with the 3D, though, and everything. I personally am going to shut it off because I have bad nausea with dizziness and all that. Not quite an RPG, but I've been playing Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon, and you know what? I put it on, and I put it on at a tiny level because it's still cool to have the effect. But yeah, it's not going to add anything to an RPG. Well, I'm wondering if it's going to be like the touch screen where if you have the option, you know, people might prefer not to use it. Like I want the, the I want the numbers to fly off the enemies toward my face in Final Fantasy 15 or whatever <laughs> they release on the 3DS. That would be awesome. Yes. They're going to release FF, FF4 is, is what it's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be FF. It's going to be the, what, 15th release of FF4. <laughs> on, thank God they haven't milked the crap out of FF6. That's still That's what favorite. I'm saying, and I think that's still why people like yeah. love it, because yeah. they're not sick alone. of it yet. Leave it alone. Leave Terra, Tina, whatever the hell you want to call her. Right. Leave her alone. Okay, All right. John, you got to wrap it up pretty quick, okay, son? Uh, oh, yeah, because you guys were talking about stuff while I'm trying to do news. All right, other game from Trice called Frontier Gate for PSP. Um, it's supposed to be ad hoc multiplayer based, which means that it either is not going to come out in North America or it's going to come out here and be awful because you know what? <laughs> I can't find another person with a PSP within 15 miles. Ouch. You need to, no, no, that's not against the PSP. That means that I live in the middle of nowhere in Wisconsin now. Like, oh crap. Oh, oh crap. crap. <laughs> in Wisconsin. So give me online play, please. You know what? I, I, that works in Japan. Are we going to see it outside of Japan? Who knows? Probably Keep going. Not. Keep going. Uh, Dark Sport is out. Kyle was writing a review of that, actually. He got to go yep. visit our good friends at Maxis. How was it? Uh, he's writing a review. Oh. I am. Go? <laughs> no, no the, the, game, the game's out, but uh, like, the, he's writing a review. Okay, fine. And Kyle's so skilled at games that he actually won the contest yeah, he had when he went to Dark Souls. I did, I, did. I won yeah, the he's got, he's got He's got a signed copy of the game. Whoa. A uh, bunch of stuff coming to PSN, and by a bunch, I mean two things. If it ever gets back up. Yes. If PlayStation Network, in fact, does get resurrected, and you decide to ever put your credit card number or buy PSN cards again... Uh, both Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI have been outed by the ESRB. Can we get a confirmation of whether or not those are the good versions or the horrible no, loading they, time versions? Horrible loading time versions. Uh, no. Uh, no. Uh, I was but, actually asking John this. Should I get a Final Fantasy VI from there or for the Wii Virtual Console? And he's like, here, just play the, it on the Game Boy Advance. Yeah. Here's where the big uh-huh. question comes is that um, these games are now digital. So it's not like, oh, I have to spin the disk to find this data. Will those loading times go away? 
I think that they'll be significantly nerfed, but they're probably not going to go away completely. They were so bad in the Chrono Trigger re-release. I used to hit the menu screen and then go take a piss and come back. Well, that's nice. I played it on the Super Nintendo like you should have. (laughs) Well, I mean, I played it the first time on the Super Nintendo, but I had to give my buddy back his... Did I give him back his copy? Nathan, I'm sorry if I still have your copy of Chrono Trigger. Um, no, I have his copy of Final Fantasy 3, 6, whatever. I still have that. I gave him back Chrono Trigger. So I'm good now. But with Chrono Trigger, like, we had the DS. Yeah, the, and, at this, at, if you have a DS, play the DS version. It's got yeah. new content. All right. Is that it? Um, Growl Answer 4 is coming to the PSP in Japan. Uh, will it come to North America? My guess is no. I'm going to say no, too. Okay. Um, and I think that's really it since the last podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So uh, I guess we'll wrap it up here again. Hopefully Diablo 3 comes out soon. That's the only news story that matters. No. Oh, boy. It is the only news story. that Until they announce another Harvest Moon game for Kim. Oh. Rune Factory Oceans, please. Yes, there we go. So uh, E3 is, from the time of this recording, about 37 days away. Yeah, just rub it in your face that I'm not going. Oh, whatever. I'm going. <laughs> it's the best time of the year. It's like a trip to Disneyland. I love how my last family well, meeting. I like how Kimberly is saying it's like a trip to Disneyland when I know for a fact that she is going to Disneyland when she goes out there. <laughs> but I get all giddy when I step on the show floor like it's Disneyland. All right. And next... then we do it again, so it's double time when I go to actual Disneyland. I gotta say that I'm just hoping that next year my faculty meeting does not fall on the opening day of E3. I was all ready to go this year, and then I saw the academic calendar, and I wanted to shoot somebody. It was like somebody had just that was that's it. That that was the last shred of my soul was gone on that day. I was like, I hate everyone now. I'm hoping it has some surprises because I was actually talking to John about it, and I can't think of anything that like I know for sure is going to be there that I'm really, really stoked to see. Me too. Well, like you know I hope's there. Uh huh. Persona Five. It won't be. No. Well, you're never going to see soon, any Kyle. Japanese companies <laughs> announce something at at uh, E3 like that yeah, rarely true. happens. They're usually going to announce it on their own or at TGS. Well, we've been yeah. waiting for yeah. Atlas to say that they're going to bring innocence in here. Yeah. Uh, I'm all I'm waiting for snatcher too. Nothing. You just made the conversation die, Rob. What? Nobody likes snatcher. Look, we'll see what happens if Police Knots comes to the U.S. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. All right, so we will definitely have a huge E3 podcast, but before that, I'm sure we'll have a huge Witcher 2 podcast. Uh, so look forward to that. Again, thank you guys so much for uh, all your input on the boards. Make sure that you subscribe through iTunes, through the RSS feed. Uh, keep giving us feedback. It always makes us feel really good, especially I... – yes. I'm going to put together podcast at rpgfan.com, and it should be put together by the time this uh, this goes live. Oh, cool. Thanks. Well, awesome, John. And uh, thanks so much for saying how much you love Kim when she's on the show. You know, it definitely doesn't make me feel bad or anything like that. It doesn't, you know, break my soul. Into- Man, Rob, I'm a uh, girl. I add, new, uh, I add a new dynamic, okay? Yeah, I know. Girls on the internet. Who knew? So uh, so for John, for Kim, for Kyle, I want to thank everybody for listening to the show, and we will see you all next time.